This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. With an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, both a promise and his oath, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. So in other words, let's, let's back up here again. You know, um, <clears throat> uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Abraham. And you remember that God promised Abraham that he would have a son and that he would make them a father of many nations. And there was a long process of nearly 25 years before that actually came to pass. And um, as the child was born, Isaac, uh, the Bible tells us that there was a place and time when the Bible says that God proved or tested Abraham, and he asked Abraham for his son as a sacrifice. Now, you can only imagine what that must have been like, but the Bible tells us that the next day he saddled up and took off for Mount Moriah to do exactly what God had offered. Now, you remember the story because Isaac's looking around. He says, well, we've got the, you know, we got the altar and we got the, we got the wood. We got no sacrifice. And Abraham said, God will for himself provide a sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that he took his son, placed him on that altar, and was fully prepared to take his life. And maybe as he had drawn his knife and he was ready to, to do so, an angel uh, interrupted him and he spoke. And, uh, and the Bible says, God says, now I know. In other words, he passed the test. And he said, because of this, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had faith, uh, patiently endured, he received the promise. Now, <clears throat> the reason that I want to make uh, uh, mention of this to you is, is that there are promises that God has made to you and I. You know, Abraham and his generation, God spoke to him, and, and, and this is what occurred. These things are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth have come. In other words, we are to take the experiences and the record that we have of God's dealings with others, and we are to, you know, digest it, listen, observe, take hold of, and, and, and understand that the same God that did that where they're concerned will do it for you as well. Can you say amen? So in reading this verse of scripture again in verse 18, it says again, so that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, interestingly enough, what's, what's interesting in these verses here, that we have this as an anchor uh, to our soul that enters in behind the veil. Well, what was behind the veil in the temple? Does anybody know? the very presence of God, huh? 
where Jesus went in for us, didn't he? You remember the story that when, when he was resurrected that the veil was torn from top to bottom or bottom to top, I don't remember. But anyway, <clears throat> and, and what happened was is it was opened up. That's so that you and I could be born again, become children of the living God, amen? Isn't that awesome? So this morning I want to share with you for just a few moments because we're, we're limiting our services just on the basis of uh, kids' endurance. You know, there's some limitations that we have in the nursery and in different places, and so we're just kind of doing it that way. But for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the steadfast anchor of God's promises to you. Because while everything's going on and all this uncertainty and all these things are happening, if you have a handle on what it is that God has promised concerning you, you don't have to be afraid. Fear is dominating our society and the people all around this world. You know, the Bible says in the last days that men's hearts will fail them and for fear of the things that are coming on the earth. And so while I share this message with you this morning, I, I, I want to I kind of couch it in this context that, that I have a responsibility as a pastor. Uh, I've been called as a pastor, so I have this pastoral role. And in that, you know, uh, fundamentally, the Bible tells me to feed and lead the flock. In other words, I become the shepherd of the flock to share things with people, to exhort the congregation that Jesus has given me the privilege to oversee. And to exhort means to call people nearer to God. That's what exhortation is, is to call people near. And then also to admonish. And when you admonish someone, it's more of a warning kind of feel or flavor to it. In other words, you know what? You, you, you might want to be careful here. And, and, you know, so when it comes to the pastoral role, there's, there's certain limitations that any individual has. I mean, he can tell people certain things and, and, or she, and, and uh, after that, it kind of gets left up to them. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I really, really want you to give consideration to this uh, message that I'm sharing with you today because I don't want you to go through life, uh, you know, afraid, I don't want you to go through life, you know, with all kinds of anxiety and concern. And the only way that I can help you to do that is if I can get you to turn your attention and your focus toward him, toward God and his promises, and for you to trust and believe them. Can you say amen? Now, I think what's happened in a lot of people's life, I'm talking about believers, you know, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, a lot of them have been taking a drink out of a fire hydrant that's anything but positive, and it's more negative than anything else. And I'd like for you to shut that hydrant off, if you would, please, if that happens to be you. Because the media is full of lies. They're absolute liars. And, and if you listen to what it is that they're telling you, and you know, that may not be a popular statement, but it's the absolute truth. Are you listening to me? And, and you can't help, if you, if you leave yourself in that environment, you cannot help but become concerned, overwhelmed, anxious, however you want to define it. And so I want to encourage you that you put a stop to it because 98% of it you can't believe anyway. Okay, I ain't taking it back, but it's just the truth. And um, so that, that would help all of us a lot, amen? Praise God. So, 
God's promises to you. And how many of you know he has made some promises? I'm going to remind you of just a few of them here. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said. Did you get that? He, in other words, he's saying, I don't want you to be anxious like you don't have enough or won't have enough. There's deficiency, there's lack, and you've got to hoard or hang on to or whatever the case might be. Because when people become covetous, then all of a sudden they become stingy because they have this mindset that's anything less than a heavenly one. So he's, he's admonishing us. Now notice it says, for he himself has said, I will never. Everybody say never. never. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you, so that we may boldly say, hallelujah. I love that, don't you? You know, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, this is in the Bible. I'm reading you the Bible this morning. And, and these two verses here in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 are the logic of faith. You know, a lot of times people say, well, this don't make no sense, you know, this whole God thing and whatever. It makes perfect sense. He has said so that we can boldly say. That is the logic of faith. And so if you'll take hold of it, you know, I mean, you know, people believe whatever they want. I'm going to believe the Bible. Amen. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe what he said. Are you listening to me? And I'm going to stay a whole lot happier than the people that are banging around like a pinball machine all over the place. Are you with me? Another scripture says, I know the plans I have for you. We, we quote this all the time. But God's talking, and he says, I've got these plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And there's another verse, or I mean, another translation, King James says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. A lot of folk, unfortunately, they're unsure about the thoughts that God has toward them. Well, obviously, they're unsure because they don't know what the Bible says or what it is that God has promised. And if they do, they are not convinced that what God said in the Word of God is true. Okay? It's not a good place to be. We need to get out of that. Amen? So he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. A lot of people think God's mad at them. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on a cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago so that you and I would be able to have an audience and be accepted of him. Thank God that's over with. Are you listening to me? God, the Bible says, did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that rather through it, the world could be saved. He's on your side and he's for you. Hallelujah. I don't care what's going on in your life. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is on your side. God is for you. He is your answer. He's not the problem. I may not be able to under, understand or explain whatever it is that's going on in your life, but this much I know, and I hope you do too, that irrespective of anything that is happening in your life, if you're a child of God, there's no one that is more on your side, has your interests at heart more than your heavenly Father does. And praise God, he sent Jesus to put you over. Amen? To help you to overcome. Another verse of Scripture, he says again, plans to, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Another Scripture says, fear not, because I am with you. 
He's not only with us, he's in us because of the new birth, amen? Being born of the Spirit of God. He, he says, be not dismayed or discouraged because I am your God. Hallelujah. So the next time discouragement comes, you can just take this verse of Scripture and say, Father, I thank you that you are my God. Hallelujah. That you're the one that takes up for me and I don't have to be discouraged. You know, discouragement's from hell. It's not from heaven. It didn't come from God. You know, it's something that is intended to bring you down, to lower you, to cause you to become discouraged, to cause you to quit, to cause you to quit, to cause you to quit. That's what discouragement does. You know, people do it all the time. They say, man, I've had it. I'm done. What? Discouragement brings that. But notice here it says in this scripture, don't be discouraged, but I am your God. I will strengthen you. Hallelujah. You know, you can start quoting the word of God and say, Father, I just want to thank you that you're the strength of my life. You are my refuge. Glory to God. You are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Glory to God. Amen. Yeah. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Notice Joel chapter 2 and verse 25 is another one. Notice this, it says, And I will restore to you the years, hallelujah, that the locust has eaten. And he goes down and says a bunch of different things here. And, and notice in the next verse it says, And you shall eat plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you, and my people will never be ashamed. How many children of God do we have in the house this morning? I'm telling you what, praise God, if you belong to him, you have no reason to ever be ashamed because I tell you, God will take up for you. Hallelujah. He said that he would restore. There's so many of us that we've went through trying times. We've went through difficult, unexpected times, all kinds of things, you know, that just simply turned our worlds upside down. I'm telling you what, God wants to restore. He wants to redeem. He wants to make up, praise God, where there's been loss. And if we'll just believe him, we don't need to know how we don't even need to know when if we'll just believe him praise God he can make the crooked way straight for the child of God hallelujah amen but you know sometimes you know we we say this all the time I say it you know sometimes you just got to shake that old snake off into the fire you know Paul was bitten of a viper he picked up a bunch of sticks and was going to throw them on in the fire and and somehow or another in the context of that he got bit well everybody thought well he's dead meat well you know <laughs> they thought you know the judgment of God is come on this guy and he's going to die well when he didn't die then they decided he's a god you know, they had their theology a little mixed up. But anyway, my point is, is that, you know, when it comes to these things, you know, God does want to restore to you that which Satan has tried to take from you. And he will, but he needs your consent. He needs your faith. He needs your trust. He needs your declaration of who your God is and what it is that he's going to do. And he needs your actions you know, to move forward. Some people, they, they park by whatever it is. And I get it. I understand, you know, that there are times, I mean, you just, you know, so disillusioned by what's taking place in your life. But listen to me, my friend. God wants you to stand up. He wants you to get up. He wants you to dust this stuff off of your life and start walking in a new path, in a new way. 
where there's hope and there's a future and there's a blessing that's awaiting you. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I can tell right now I'm never going to get done with what I want to talk to you about today. <sighs> Limitations. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus made this statement. He said, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. You know, people, when they say they love God, but they disobey God, they're lying. <laughs> You're so glad you came. You know, people say, well, I just love the Lord. I love God. Oh, I just love God. Well, are you doing what he said? Well, no, not really. You don't love God. You love yourself. You love whatever it is that you're doing this display. We love God. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's the way you know whether you love God. So he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray or ask the Father, and he, the Father, will give you another comforter, one of the same sort, someone just like me. He said, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept. Now, that's an interesting thought because, you know, I'm asking you to walk to the, to the, to the beat of a different drummer. Are you listening to me? If you're going to take your cue, you know, from, from, from popular culture, public opinion, you know, all of those different kinds of things, I, I can't help you. But if you want to take your cue from what it is that God has said, huh, then you're going to be on good and solid ground. There's going to be a difference to your walk and your talk than that of the world because, again, you're marching to the beat of a different drummer. He said in this scripture, he says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept, they cannot receive because they don't see him and they don't know him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he's going to be in you. Aren't you glad today for the new birth? To be born of the spirit of God, to have the indwelling presence in your life. If you remember in the beginning of this year, I talked to you about 2020 being a year of divine guidance. Remember that? Huh? And I'm telling you what, if you don't learn to be led by the Holy Ghost in 2020, there's no telling where you're going to end up. Now, I'm not saying that to put fear in you, but what I am saying is, is that we better start listening to what the Holy Ghost is telling us. You say, well, I, I don't know, you know, when God's talking to me or whatever. Well, you can start simply by reading the Bible and whatever it says, do it. Are you with me? Because the Bible, you know, the Spirit and the Word of God agree. I'll give you an example. The Bible says to be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and with supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. This is uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, never be anxious about anything, the Bible says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, everybody say peace. peace. Yeah, the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, I'm telling you guys, dude, we can be living in the peace of God, everybody else can be going crazy, and they'll tell you you're out of your mind when you're in peace. Huh? And the peace of God that doesn't make any sense, that passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, let's back up a little bit. We're talking about, you know, being doers of the Word of God, following the Holy Spirit. 
you know, and, and how there has to be an application of this verse within our life. Because the truth is, is when we become anxious and we're concerned about every, you know, something, whatever it is, uh, we're quick to pray. And, you know, in that verse of Scripture, it says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request, your need, or whatever it is that you have be known to him. Huh? Isn't that right? But what we have a hard time doing sometimes is we don't have any, t- any trouble praying, but we don't always obey the first part of that verse. And if you don't obey the first part of that verse, then the next verse, 7, will not become yours, where the peace of God. And what am I trying to say? It says, don't be anxious for anything. Now, easier said than done, right? You got a bill and you don't know how you're going to pay it. You got some kind of a situation that's come up, phone rang, you know, whatever. Doctor said this, whatever. Brings anxiety, brings tension, brings all these things. But the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything. Now, in another verse of Scripture, it says, casting all of your care where? On him. Why? Because he cares for you. So it is an act of your will. Are you listening to me? In other words, the way you would approach your circumstances, say, Jesus, you said in your word that you would take care of this situation, whatever the promise or reference is. And so I just want to declare to you that I trust you and that I believe in you and what you said. And therefore, as an act of my will, I cast my care. I refuse. Everybody say refuse. I refuse to be anxious. In the name of Jesus. Why? Because he said, don't be anxious for anything. You know, I mean, all over in the Bible, the Bible says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. You know, all everywhere in the Bible, it talks about how that it's the father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. He wants to take a father's place. I'll give you a great example. The other day, uh, we flew up to Wayne, Nebraska, and um, my oldest son, Pastor Brian, and, and the two uh, grandsons, Will and, and Andrew. And so we were excited. I mean, you know, it's a, kind of a guy trip thing. We're going to go up there and take a look at a project. And, and so we went and got donuts at Casey's. You, gotta, you know, you can't start the day without donuts and Casey's, you know. And a little chocolate milk there and got her all going, you know. And so we get in a plane, and, and we're taxiing out to the runway, and, and I'm doing my run-up. And uh, just getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, I look in the back seat and Will and Andrew in the back seat. But Will's lip kind of started coming out and started quivering. And his eyes got filled with water. And uh, so, uh, you know, Brian was in the front seat with me. And so I said, well, tell me what you want me to do here. You know, I'm, I wasn't sure. And so, so, Dad, everybody say thank God for Dad. You know, he, he reached back there and kind of grabbed a hold of him, you know, and talked to him a little bit and things like that. And, and I turned and I said, I said, Will, listen, Grandpa would never put you in a situation where you would ever be hurt. All of a sudden, you know, he kind of, okay, hallelujah, you know. Now, we did invite him to come and sit on, on Dad's lap in the front seat, and that really helped. Pretty soon, you know, man, he's looking out the window and everything's great. Hallelujah. You know, our Heavenly Father feels the same way about us. He's never going to let you, you know, be placed in a situation of harm or injury or anything of that nature. You just have to, we have to learn to trust Him. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. 
And I'll tell you, if you will, uh, it'll make life a whole lot better. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, of course, uh, we are dealing with a lot of things around us, you know, as a result of these things that are going on, but it doesn't have to impact you like it does everyone else. Hallelujah. So he went on to say in these verses, in the 18th verse, he says, you know him, he lives within you. And he says, I will not leave you. King James says, comfortless. He says, I won't leave you as an orphan. I'll come to you. And he certainly does that. Amen. So all of these promises, they're really couched within this theme of a father's care and his promise to care for us when we're threatened. And uh, like I said, you know, you know, you take little Will, I mean, he's in the backseat. He'd been in the plane before and he'd been up before, but for whatever reason, just in that moment, you know, there was uncertainty. Got any uncertainty going on right now? Absolutely, man. There's all kinds of uncertainty. If it's not, you know, from a health standpoint, politically, I mean, all kinds of things that are going on and so on and so forth. For, but just for that moment, you know, he, he did that. So my point to you this morning is simply this, that, that God's promise, everybody say God's promise. God's promise to you is an anchor to your soul, but you have to allow it to influence your soul. In other words, you've got to get your eyeballs on it and you say, I believe this. I don't believe this. I believe this. Now, again, a lot of folk, they might think you're foolish and, you know, and, and whatever the case might be, but that's their problem, not yours. Hallelujah. You know, Peter, we got the story about him walking on the water. He said, if, you, if it's really you, bid me come. Well, Jesus couldn't deny himself. He says, come on. So here he comes down out of the boat, and he's walking on the water to go to Jesus. And you know the story. You know, everything was fine until he started looking around him. Isn't that right? In other words, as long as he was looking at Jesus, everything was great. But when he seen the wind and the waves and all of that, he began to sink. And, of course, Jesus in his mercy reached out to him and saved him. And he said, why did you doubt? How many of you know Jesus does not want you to doubt his promises? Amen. And thank God we don't have to. Amen. So in these uncertain and turbulent times, the child of God has an overwhelming advantage. Everybody say overwhelming advantage. I like that. You got an overwhelming advantage, dude. I mean, the greater one lives on the inside of you. These shouldn't be issues. And yet they are. But if you're a child of God, you have an overwhelming advantage if you allow God's promises to serve as an anchor to your soul. Hallelujah. You know, the way the kingdom works, I wish I had time to get into all this, but the way that the kingdom of God works is, is that God sends his word to you, and then he affords you an opportunity to decide what you're going to do with it. And if you believe it, and you respond to it, then he will manifest himself in whatever the promise is that he has made to you. Does that make sense to you? That's the way it works. You know, we got saved by faith, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Somebody pitched you the gospel, you said, I'm in. Hallelujah. Change your life forever. Amen? So the same thing's true of our lives. You know, the Bible says that there were a lot of things that Jesus did in the presence of those that he ministered to, miraculous kinds of things. But John wrote that these things are written, listen, they're written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. They're written for you. The Bible, oh, thank God for his word. Amen. You know? 
and it's written for us so that in believing we may have life. The Bible talks about this in uh, uh, Acts 20 or Acts 13, 26. It says, and, and Paul was making an appeal someplace um, in one of the synagogues, and he said, my men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and to those who fear God, listen, to you, the word of this salvation has been, what's that word? Sent. In other words, when he was preaching, he told him, you could look the 13th chapter, you could read it, and you could see what he, but he said, to you, it's been sent. In other words, God has anointed us as, as instruments to tell you this story, this good news, this gospel, so that in believing you can be saved. God sends his word to you about his desire to restore health to you, his desire to restore whatever's been lost, his desire to get you out of lack and cause you to have what you need or whatever it is. He sends his word to you. And hallelujah, you know, and now here's the point. You know, how much of the word are we really exposing ourselves to? How, how often do we remind ourselves of what God said? You know, when anxiety, worry, or fear comes, <clears throat> do we have scriptures in our tool chest, in our, our box that we can pull out and say, oh, no, 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 this is what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Well, if we don't, then that's what we need to do. You say, well, that's, that's a little bit of work. Yes, it is. But you know, you can learn to make work a delightful thing. You can delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you can be blessed as a result of it. All of God's works are done in faithfulness to what he's promised. That's the way it works. He sends his word to you. Praise God. He said, you will guide me. The psalmist said, you will guide me with your counsel. Everybody say counsel. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to lead us with his counsel. He would say, you know, Jeff, fear not, man. Dude, I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Hallelujah. I'll strengthen you. Glory to God. Isn't that a good word? Amen. You know, but again, you got, you know, here's an interesting thing. If you read in the scriptures, you know, Jesus all the time, I hadn't even thought about this. I mean, I've been in the ministry for 40 years. I never thought of this. But, you know, there's numerous places in the Bible where Jesus would say, have you not read? I mean, you, you look at it. Get your concordance sometimes. And he would say to people, he says, haven't you ever read? Haven't you read? Haven't you read? And then I got to thinking about it. You know, when he was a 12-year-old boy. He went down to Jerusalem, you know, for their annual uh, event and different things like that. And he never came back with the crew. He was in the synagogue. And what was he doing? He was learning. He was listening. Yeah. In other words, he'd made the word of God a priority. He said, well, why are you so upset? Didn't you know I need to be about my father's business? He was learning what the scriptures had to say. Well, we had to take a cue from Jesus. Amen. Maybe make that a priority where our lives are concerned and let the washing of the water of the word of God be a blessing to us. Jesus was forever pointing people to the authority and counsel of God's living word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to say, you know, we're living in a time when we're going to need to learn to trust him. Are you with me? And everybody say this together. I, I, I can do that. I can, you can do that. You know, Jesus talked about the storms of life, you know, and he said, you know, the guy that builds his house on a rock is the one who does the word. Same storm, same wind, same rain. One stands, one doesn't. It's based upon the, the, the application or the practice of the word of God. I'll give you an illustration. I hope this works out. I, in my mind, it, it's a phenomenal illustration. 
But you may, just, you may look at it when it's all done and go, what? So here we go. You ready, Jeff? Buckle up your seatbelt, buddy. All right, if you want to shoot that first one up there, Jim. Now, <clears throat> most of you probably wouldn't have a clue what this is, but it's called an approach plate, okay? So in aviation, when you're flying, when you're, you know, on a commercial flight and there's a guy up in a cockpit that's flying that plane, you kind of like to know he knows what he's doing, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Hearty amen to that. Well, the reality is, is if the weather's inclement, you know, if it's what they call IMC, instrument meteorological conditions, in other words, you can't see out of the plane nothing but clouds, the question is, is how are you going to get on the ground? Because you don't know where the horizon is, you don't know where the ground is. So they, we use these things called approach plates. And so what they do is they dial in a number. I'm going to see if this works like I think. They dial in this number right up here. It's 111.35 on their little radio. And all of a sudden, it starts looking for the signal to this approach. This is the approach uh, into, actually, it's in Council Bluffs. And so you'd be flying around out here and you'd be coming in here. I know there's a boatload of information on here, but, but understand that this right here and down that way, there's the airport right there, okay? So they put, this, they put this frequency in and all of a sudden it starts looking and it finds this uh, localizer or this approach into Council Bluffs, okay? And, and uh, you can see that if you wanna fly this, you have to fly 357 degrees. That's what it is right there. But here's the thing, if there's no wind blowing, if, if everything is just nominal, then it's not a big deal. You just, you know, put your, put your uh, uh, heading indicator on 357 degrees and you'll fly right down through the middle of it. But what if the wind's blowing? And usually, if we're in a funky kind of IFR situation, the wind is blowing and it's bumpy. Ask my wife. She loves these approaches. Yeah. Hallelujah. And um, she has many stories. Glory to God. But we're still here. Yeah, here we are. So anyway, <clears throat> when the wind is blowing, it could be blowing from the right or to the left, that's going to change the direction that you have to fly because you may have to, you know, for crab the plane into the wind in order to stay on course. Because if you don't compensate, guess what? You're going to end up where you don't want to be. Are you with me? And so what ends up happening is, is that when you're flying, you have to kind of figure out how hard the wind is blowing. And so what we often do is we'll, we'll turn to a different heading, you know, up into the wind and we'll sit there and we'll watch that and see if it's holding where it's called a reference heading. Well, if it's not working, then maybe I have to put in a little more, or maybe I went too far, you know. But then once you, once you find that reference heading, then you endeavor just to hold that, and more than likely, it'll take you right down there. Now, let's see the other picture. This little thing here, there is actually two of them, but this one here is called a CDI, which means nothing to you, but that is a course deviation instrument. So you'll notice on this that there are these little dots left and right, and there's little dots up and down. Well, <clears throat> the one, the up and down gives you a, 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 a glide slope so that you know that you're heading down like you, you don't hit the ground before you want to. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then the other one, uh, this one side to side, there's, there's two degrees of, 
of variation between the center, that one right there, and each one of those, and you can get 10 degrees off one way or another, okay? Well, so my whole point to this, are you still with me? I really thought this would be a great idea. I'm not sure how it's working out for you, but hang on if you can. That's what we watch, all right? And we want to make sure that that one needle going up and down is dead center on because we know that if it is, when we begin our descent, we go down, when we break out of the clouds, that runway is going to be right in front of us. Why am I saying all this to you? You know, you need to become an instrument-rated Christian. Huh? All right? Because the wind, it's going to blow. Storms of life, they're going to come. But I tell you what, if you'll trust the instrument of God's Word and you put in the right kind of input, you know, that you need to, then you're going to go to the ground like you're supposed to, not, not the other way. And you're just, you, you come out and you land and everything's, you know, peace, love, dove. Are you listening to me? So the Word of God becomes the guide to each and every one of us. So I'm just saying, dear friend, listen, if you've been anxious, it's time to start looking at something else. It's time to start trusting something else. Amen. You'll get on the phone. People start talking about all kinds of things, you know. And uh, um, like I said, the storms of life, they're going to blow in everyone's life. But thank God you have a different compass from which to guide yourself and go in. Are you with me? Feed on the words, you guys. Let it become a habit a practice within your life where you're, you're just taking some time to, to just read the Bible, meditate and think about the Word of God. And if you've got a certain area in your life that you're challenged with, then bone up on that. Run your references. Get yourself a good reference Bible and find some scriptures that covers your case. Begin to feed and meditate on those. Praise God. Why? Because it will become an anchor to your soul. And I tell you what, a whole lot of folk need one right now. Y'all glad you came this morning? Let's commit this to our hearts. Let's pray. Father, today is such a great day for all of us because we, we both know and love you. We, we thank you so much, Father, for the trust and the faith that we can have in you. We lift up all those, Father, that couldn't be with us here this morning and pray, God, that they will be blessed in every way, coming in, going out. May the word of, of, of faith, Father, give assurance and hope and peace in their lives. God, as I pray today, I just want to thank you, Father, for helping each of us to make the, the course corrections in our lives that, that allow for the influence of your word in our life, Father. Help us to give ourselves permission, if necessary, to just take this time and Spend it with you to feed on the word of God. Let your promises be renewed and refreshed within each and every one of us. Father, I just thank you so much for our church. I thank you for what it is that you've ordained for us as a people. And God, I just thank you, Father God, for bringing your blessing into the lives of these, your people, and into this house, hallelujah, that we call the church. And so we thank you, Father God, in your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, you're all saved, I know, because I know every one of you. Hallelujah. So I'm glad for that. Praise God. And, uh, you know, a lot of good things are in store for us as we keep moving forward. You know, they can continue to unlock stuff. That's a good thing. Amen. You know, and so uh, we're just going to move on and do some things and do what it is he asked us to do. Amen.
So we're going to go ahead and receive our morning offering.